0: Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing unto you, my Lord, my Savior. Amen. Please be seated. Very good morning, everyone. Let's try this again. (laughs) Good morning. Yeah, all right, it's much better. (laughs) So it is a joy to be in the house of God, to worship, to hear his word, and to fellowship with one another. I recently returned uh, from a trip, from a road trip, to Malaysia with my three children. And when going across the causeway at the customs, you will very likely notice uh, this when there is a long queue of cars at the different gates, the customs gates. You will notice cars switching lanes whenever there is a gap between cars, and then switch back again, hoping to reach the gates as soon as possible. Cars squeezing into each other's lanes, and you may have noticed this many times. And why does this happen? Because these drivers cannot wait. No patience. And have you seen this? Right? And are you also guilty of this? Right? We like to squeeze because we don't want to wait. We want to get to the gates as fast as possible and we want to clear the causeway as soon as we can. So friends, we don't like to wait. It is a waste of time. Now, right? We don't have the patience to wait. We have developed this impatience within us over time. Because we live in an instant world where everything has to be done immediately, right? Instant noodles, instant coffee, instant, right? Everything is fast. And then if you work under a very dominant boss and he asks you, what is the deadline? And he tells you, yesterday. Right? I'm not sure whether have you served under such a boss or whether are you such a boss, I don't know. Right? But God have mercy on you. (laughs) So you're at a supermarket and you have a very busy day ahead of you. And then your trolley's wheels starts dragging. And then at the cashier's counter, you realise that the cashier is new to the job. He or she takes a little longer to clear your stuff, and then the receipt printer runs out of paper. And then the cashier struggles to replace the paper. And you're looking at your watch and mumbling, come on, come on! Right? And you see the other checkout lanes and the other cashiers are clearing faster, and then you go, ah, I should have taken that lane, man. Yeah, I went to the wrong lane. Sounds like fun, doesn't it? What will you do? And how will you respond to unexpected delays or when things don't go according to your timing or plan? We we all have faced such situations, maybe even worse, right? And as Christians, the genuineness of our faith in Christ is proven at such trying situations. The best test of your walk with the Lord always takes place in the mainstream of life not in the quietness of a worship space like this or in the pleasant atmosphere of a Bible study or a cell group. It's in those customs checkpoints, supermarket queues, busy restaurants, delays, setbacks, and hindrances where genuine faith is proven. James was a man interested in helping people like you and me develop a faith that really works in the mainstream of life. He knew that one distinguishing mark of genuine faith is patience so James begins the text we are looking at today with a simple command or sometimes when I I was reading it 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 seemed like he was shouting at me you get the slide James is saying be patient right, be patient it goes without saying that patience is a rare and remarkable virtue among people today have you heard of this Lord, give me patience and I want it now I'm not sure how many of you have asked that, right? Someone said that when you are angry, count to 10. And when you're very angry, count to 100. If we are honest, most of us would have to admit that although we may have tried everything from counting to 100, to having happy thoughts, or maybe walking away from the situation, we still have a problem cultivating that fruit of the spirit called patience, The result is that our ongoing impatience has a way of robbing us of our testimonies. It affects our home lives and our relationships with family, friends, church members, and even co-workers. Some of the original readers of this letter from James were people struggling with their own impatience. The context of these verses implies that James's readers may have been poor, working-class people who were being mistreated by the rich. Under these circumstances, it would have been very understandable for them to be impatient and angry, for they were being abused and they were being denied their rights. James is very concerned about how we react to the pain and suffering that comes into our lives. He wants to help us learn how to respond to injustice, suffering, delay, difficulty in a godly way. And so in James chapter 5 verse 7 to 10, he gives uh, God's prescription for patience. Firstly, James reminds us of the promise of the Lord's coming. Note in verses 7 to 9, James link between being patient and knowing that the Lord is coming back. So if you can please refer to your Bibles, James writes, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. God means for us, as believers in Christ, to find great comfort and encouragement in the promise of Christ's return. To the person who suffers in this life, Christ offers the only true hope, and the hope rests in the return of Christ and God's promise of a new heaven and a new earth, a place where there will no longer be pain or suffering or injustice. But sadly, my friends, the return of Christ is seen by many people today as nothing more than a fascinating concept. Fun to discuss, to debate, to study, uh, to talk about it in uh, theological colleges, but the truth is that it has little or no real effect on our daily living or struggles how many of us go through everyday thinking about the Lord's return? <clears throat> so it is usually written off as a form of religious escapism. But the truth is that the return of Christ is meant by God to strengthen our faith, especially during times of adversity and hardship. Some of us are feeling this thing of very serious pain. For some, it is a physical pain. No matter what you do, you just can't seem to rid yourself of that pain and it seems so unfair. For others, it may be an intolerable working situation, or the pain of rejection. Or it may simply be that ongoing pressure of not being able to pay your bills, and you look at your ungodly neighbors prospering. Or you feel the pain of having lost a relationship through misunderstanding, betrayal, or even death. Such feelings can grind away at your peace so severely that you sometimes wonder how you can continue in this life. Now, it is important to know that all our present suffering has a divine purpose. But the point that James is getting at here is that it is just as important to know that our suffering is temporary. Think about this. If you discover that you have a sickness but you also know that without a doubt, one day you will be completely healed and be back to normal, even though you don't know how long your period of suffering will be, that knowledge of your future recovery will automatically affect your attitude during the painful process. We are meant to find great patience and hope in the promise of the Lord's return. You see, because of Christ's death and resurrection, although we are expecting great pain in this world, We must never forget that we are awaiting a world where every tear will be wiped away and all forms of pain and suffering will disappear. Whatever heaven is, it will banish all the discomfort of this life and usher in new, unimagined pleasures. James tells us in verse 7 that until the new world comes at the return of Christ, we are to be like a patient farmer who waits for the precious fruit of the earth we have to see how patient he is for the early and the late rains. A farmer knows that the time for harvest just cannot be hurried. There are natural laws in the physical world to which he must be in submission to. So the good farmer is not anxious, and he does not fight the sometimes painful process required of him. Instead, he draws strength in his present sufferings by always keeping the big picture in mind, by looking ahead to the coming rains and that final harvest day. Similarly, my friends, we must learn to find comfort in the fact that God's plan is always on perfect time, not only for this world, but also for our own lives. So why is it that your car will not start just when you are in a hurry to keep an appointment? Or why does the Wi-Fi not work just when you are about to submit an assignment or meet a deadline? But a more important question is this. Why are we so impatient and angry when these things happen? Our impatience and anger at such times is actually anger directed against the timetable which our sovereign God has assigned to us. You see, all the events of our lives, including car problems and broken Wi-Fi connections and so on, are divinely scheduled according to the plan of God for our lives. He has a plan for every one of us. And I might add, you and I are usually unaware of it, and a timetable that we don't normally appreciate. So the reason why impatience and anger is such a serious sin in the eyes of God is because it always leaves God out of our thinking. It is an ignorance directed at God's plans and timetable for our lives. You see, we don't usually consider His plans for our lives. We thought we needed to be at that appointment. God knew that we needed to be somewhere else. Secondly, James shows his readers that God's servants have always grown in patience through suffering. In verses 10 and the first part of verse 11, James writes, as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. James reminds us here that suffering and patience has always been the mark of God's people. He draws our attention to the Old Testament prophets. There is hardly a prophet in the Old Testament who was not an example of suffering and patience. And we all know Jeremiah, or better known as the weeping prophet, for example. His messages were so unpopular that he was beaten, put in chains, he was imprisoned, and even put in a cistern, can you imagine that? His life was of never-ending physical and spiritual suffering. But he always persevered. He always responded with patience. And even Jesus, when abused and beaten, never retaliated. Why? Jesus knew that all his sufferings were ordered by God according to God's perfect plan. But to name a person from the Bible who is an example of patience, we would most likely pick Job. And he was James' choice also in verse 11. James writes, You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord. We all know the story. Job lost everything. His family, his business, even his personal health. And when he called out to God for answers, God never answered him for a long, long time. So what did Job do? Verse 11 says, he remained steadfast. In Greek, steadfastness here literally means to endure patiently. Or it can also mean to persevere as in translated in the NIV Bibles. Job rested and endured under the load of suffering that God brought his way. He was determined to remain steadfast in the fire of affliction, regardless of the heat. The result of Job's willingness to remain steadfast, endure patiently, And persevere in the face of his suffering was patience. Under the intense heat of heartache, grief, and suffering, patience formed in him like the purifying process of gold. You see, Job didn't just sit down one day and make up his mind that he would be a patient person. He never tried to bargain with God for that virtue. In fact, verse 11 doesn't say he was patient, but that he persevered, endured. The Greek word "steadfast" means so many things: to wait on God, to cleave to God, to bear patiently, to wait you can have it on the screens yeah. to stand fast, capacity, to bear up under difficult circumstances. So from this, we know job was patient. Now let me share with you my personal testimony. Right, So that's me, recently taken on my trip to JB. Right? So let me share and, and then explain to you why I felt I should share this even though I am quite reluctant, quite hesitant to share this. Friends, I went on a much needed silent retreat in September uh, where God spoke to me so clearly. Amazing. And among other things, he spoke to me about a new season in my life. But he did not tell me or impress in my heart what the new season is about. And friends, I still don't know. But he also impressed in my heart to wait for the new season to start. Wait? Okay, I thought, okay, that's fine. I will wait. But I asked the Lord about what I am waiting for in the new season. How long do I wait? And why am I waiting? You see, it is easy knowing that is it knowing what you're waiting for and how long you have to wait? So the frustrating part is not knowing what you're waiting for and how long you have to wait. And that is where I still am today. I don't know exactly what I'm waiting for in the new season and how long I have to wait. But soon after asking, the Lord revealed to me the why I am waiting. I was listening to a song much earlier. The uh, title of the song was A uh, Refiner by this group called Maverick City. Uh, I like the two authors, uh, the the songwriters, Stephanie Gretzinger and Chandler Moore, my favorite songwriters these days. So listening to the song, uh, he revealed to me why I am waiting. But when I first heard that song uh, much earlier, I thought it was, my friends, the most dumbest Christian song ever. Honestly, I thought when I heard that song, it seemed so dumb. Because the song is actually a prayer about wanting to be tried by fire. Can you imagine that? And I thought, which Christian will desire that, right? How many of you here would desire to be tried by fire? Yes, I want to be tried by fire. We don't, right? We all want the easy way out, the shortcut. But that was the song. But when I heard that song a little later again, in my current season of waiting, it made a lot of sense. You see, the Lord was putting me through a refiner's fire. If you understand how a gold ring, for example, is purified, you will know it is put in fire. It has to be placed in the correct spot of the flames. You put it too high, not hot enough to burn off the impurities and draws. You put it too low, it, right in the middle of the frame, it's too hot, it will melt the ring. So it has to be placed in the exact spot of the flames in order to burn off the impurities and also not to melt the rings. So the goldsmith places the ring in and then out of the fire. Someone asked in an illustration why he does that. He said that he, go, he does... He does that so that um, it doesn't get too hot. So he takes it out at the right time to cool it. Now, if only the ring had a mouth, my friends. Can you imagine the words that would come out of it? Definitely not words of blessing and praise, right? Now the goldsmith was asked how he will know if the ring's impurities and dross has been burnt off and the ring has been purified. He replied that he has to keep his eyes on the ring at all times, putting it in and out of the fire, and he will know when the ring is purified, when the goldsmith sees his image on the ring. And that was the answer to the why I am waiting. So friends, in the waiting, I realized that I am being put through the refiner's fire, The Lord is purifying me and strengthening my heart because there's also a tempering that's uh, happening. Strengthening my heart for the next season. But the process takes time. And that is why I have to wait. Because He is working on me while I'm waiting. But for how long, I don't know, as I said. And for what, I still don't know. But I wait, trusting in God that He knows. The refining and waiting process is painful and frustrating, to be honest especially when, as I said, I don't know what I'm waiting for and for how long. It can sometimes get lonely while waiting because you don't know how to describe what you are going through. You don't know how to articulate your feelings. It feels like no one understands. You are stuck. You feel confused. Your emotions are all over the place. And having gone through the waiting for a few months now and still waiting, I can now thank God for that refining process that is taking place in the waiting. I've learned that God has allowed this because I am precious to Him. He wants to see me shine and beautify for His glory. He wants to strengthen me and shape me further. And that for me, my friends, can happen only through this refining process being put through the furnace. It is painful, yes, frustrating, torturous even at times. But I submit to the refining and waiting process. Now, I'm not saying that this is also why you are waiting for those who are. Your wait may be for another reason, and it can be a different process. But what I'm saying is that there is a divine purpose for your waiting. You know, I've come to realize that being put through the refiner's fire and having to, go, having to wait through the process is God's act of love for me. While waiting, I'm now enjoying the sense of an unusual peace. In the waiting, I'm drawing closer to Him. My relationship with Him is deepening and strengthening. I've lost interest in things that took my time away from God. I sense a sharpness in my spirituality and even ministry. And there is still a lot more that the Lord is doing. And all this while waiting. But at the same time, God suddenly seemed to have gone quiet on me. But that is okay, because He still hears me. I'm okay with that. But many times, almost daily, I hear messages and see uh, scripture verses on waiting patiently many times. I've read this particular scripture verse many times, and recently the Lord has impressed this very deeply in my heart, and I'm meditating, and I'm meditating on this verse almost daily. It is from Psalms 37, verse 7. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. So I wait Patiently. And I'm assured that while I am waiting, God is doing something. I may not see it now, may not feel it now, or even understand what's going on. But I'm sure that in His perfect timing, He will reveal it. Friends, while waiting, be assured that the Lord is working in the background. He's preparing you for His purpose. He has a plan for you. I met our people's warden, Joe Tambaya, at a SEC event yesterday morning. Right? Uh, so while waiting for the guest of honor to arrive, he shared with me that he, you know, we all know he likes to bake and cook, right? Yeah. So he was sharing with me, I, I, I share this with his permission. <laughs> he was sharing with me that he was baking cakes for Christmas. And how it took him as long as six months, right? To bake those fruit cakes. Right. And you see the cake he was baking had to be baked and left for a few months before it is good to eat. In the waiting process you are sharing, the cake looks exactly the same. There's no change in the physical appearance of the cake. But inside, a major change is going on that is unseen. After waiting six months or a few months or so, the cake is done, and the taste, I trust Joe, the taste is exquisite. Very nice taste. And interestingly, Joe did not know that I was going to preach about waiting with patience. So, I'm just putting it out that uh, if Joe feels it and it's hard to give me a piece of that cake, then I, will, yeah, I wouldn't mind receiving it. Yeah, yeah, so no problem. <laughs> yeah. So, you see, sometimes we don't know what is happening, right? There's no physical change in the cake, but the taste is being developed. I'm not sure what you, what you call that. I'm not a baker. I only eat cakes. But you don't know what is happening, but it is, the taste is being developed inside. But even though you may not know it, you may not feel it or see it, but it takes time for the taste to be developed. So while waiting on the Lord, the Lord is doing something amazing, my friends. I'm learning to be patient while waiting with patience. Initially, the the waiting was very difficult. It was difficult for me to not know what the Lord was doing. I was practically wrestling with God every day. But now I thank God He did not give up on me and take me out of the refiner's fire prematurely. He is still keeping me there. I am still there. To make sure that he has purified, cleansed, shaped and transformed me for his glorious purposes. My prayer and communication with God is different these days. And he continues to minister to me. Left to ourselves, we would think that that ease and lack of suffering would produce patience in us. But that is not God's prescription for patience. Although many of us may not realize it. God's prescription for patients is produced by trials, tribulation, suffering, and difficulty. So why am I sharing this reluctantly? You see, in the beginning of the year, our vicar and associate vicar planned the sermon series for this year. They decided then the sermon title, the scripture text to be used, and the preacher assigned. So about three weeks ago, when I looked at the roster to see what I was to preach on, I was surprised. The title of the sermon decided at the start of the year for me to preach today was, you can have it, await with patience while I'm going through this season of waiting. My first response was, God, you are humorous, you're a funny guy. You see, only God could have orchestrated this. And that gave me so much confidence to continue to wait patiently, even as I was preparing the sermon. And I knew that I had to share my joy of waiting with you guys. Friends, God has got this. He is with you while you wait. James concludes this text by reminding us of the outcome of the Lord's dealings. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. In verse 11. God does not always tell us, Uh, all we want to know about our circumstances, why your flight was delayed, why you were caught in a traffic jam even though you prayed for clear traffic, why you were not healed, why you lost your job, or why you lost a loved one. There are many secret things in life that belong only to God. At such times, you must simply trust that God is a God of compassion and mercy who orders all things for our good and His glory. During those difficult times, remember that God does not expect you to understand all your circumstances. It is okay. He only expects you to persevere no matter what difficult, no matter how difficult they may be when they come your way. You see, when the Lord asks you to wait with patience, as I mentioned, it is because He's doing something in the background. He is molding you, transforming you, shaping you, polishing you, strengthening you even. Insight usually does not come now but later. It's usually at the end of your experience, sometimes years later, you look back and say, now I, see what that, now I see what was happening. And now I see how that was a display of God's compassion and mercy towards me. So what do we do when waiting? Put your hope in God's word. Spend more time studying the scriptures. Waiting can be trying and exhausting, my friends. And you can be easily discouraged and confused in the wait. So we need God's word to guard our hearts and to guide our thoughts. There will be temptations to try and find answers from people around us or things around us. You will be tempted to look at those around you and compare your situation with theirs. You will be tempted to find ways to shorten the waiting period if that were possible. And that is why we need to draw strength from God's word. Don't be distracted. Don't be quick to find your own solutions. The world will advise you to find your solution just to distract And set you on the wrong direction. Listen to God through His Word. Let His Word guard your heart and your minds. Take courage in God's promises found in the scriptures. Stop fretting. Refrain from anger. Be still, my friends, when the Lord says wait. Don't lash out at those around you because you are frustrated. Waiting can be confusing and tiring. So be anchored in God's word that you may be not swayed. And continue in prayer. And also praising God. Remember his goodness, his faithfulness. Remember that God is in charge of your life, not you. God is not so concerned with accomplishing all the things we may have in our calendar. He is concerned with the development of our inner character. We are thinking calendar. God is thinking character. So, please wait with patience. While waiting with patience, you will get a little stronger. Day by day, the spirit of the Lord He will renew your strength. Even if God seems silent, wait on the Lord. Remember, He still hears you. Don't rush. The breakthrough will come. Don't orchestrate. Wait for His timing. Wait until the Lord opens the door. So my friends, will you wait with patience? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.